I really hope that the day that I leave here, uh, that people go, dang, you know, Preston's gone. Or if the church left here, that there'd be some wailing. <laughs> that people would be like, this place will never be the same because these people who loved our city well are gone. You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to The New Leaf Project. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. We've got another great episode for you. Our, an interview with our good friend, Preston Puto. Jared, tell us a little bit about this interview. Well... Preston is planning on becoming a regular contributor to our podcast, and that's something new that we've wanted to do this year, and I'm really excited to have him on board. Preston is a he's supporting a church plant in Chestermere, Alberta. He writes regularly for his newspaper. He's got a book coming out uh, this spring. Uh, he's going to be writing for our blog. He's going to be contributing to our podcast. So he's a he's a guy that's a, he's a man about town, you might say. Um, what I really love about uh, being part of the New Leaf Network is being able to highlight voices that I think should have a bigger platform than they normally do. Preston is one of those guys. Um, I think he's very bright, very intelligent. I think he's got a lot to contribute. And the cool thing is, he's not just a thinker. He's a practitioner. He's heavily involved in his neighborhood, and it's really exciting. And I just think Preston's got a neat story, and that's what this podcast is about. It's just sort of getting to know him, hearing a bit about his background, how he grew up, uh, early church planning experiences, and, and where he sees things going in the future. So I think we've got a good one today. Uh, Preston is a really interesting guy. I hope that more and more people pay attention to this guy because uh, I think he's got a lot of great stuff to contribute. And, and it features his love of bees, which I think is a very uncommon thing. And all of the theology he's learned from bees. Bees, L. I have a like a bit of a fear of bees, so we'll we'll see. I had a bad go with one once. So we'll see how I think about feel about these bees. All right. Well, let's uh, let's give this episode a listen and we'll see where we're at with the bee thing uh, after the jump here. Hello, everybody. I am in the Saskatoon studio, and joining us from the Chestermere, Alberta studio is Preston Puto. Now, Preston, you uh, you have a different kind of last name that maybe hints a little bit at your heritage. Uh, tu parles français? Oui, je parle français un peu. And, and, I do. And do you... How does the French part of your history weave into who who you are as a person? How did you start out being francophone? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it is not a choice. You are born that way. Oh, no, um, okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it's not. A, it's, it's not a lifestyle choice. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, you know what? I I have an interesting and probably very Canadian kind of background. I have uh, from one side of my family, the family that has the Puto last name. Uh, we uh, they were my great grandpa came on a boat from an island off the coast of France, from the island of Alderney in the Channel Islands, and he got on a boat with some Jersey cows and came over and took a train across Canada and settled in Saskatchewan. And so that is where my French last name comes from. Uh, where my other French comes from is I am Métis, 
So that means I am Aboriginal, and that comes from my mother's side, um, where they came from the Red River Valley in, in southern Manitoba. So I'm an Aboriginal person. And then I speak French, not from either of those two, <laughs> but because I grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan, where I went to Wilfred Walker French Immersion Elementary School. And uh, so a great product of, uh, what was it, Tr Prime Minister Trudeau's seniors emphasis to try to get people across Canada to become bilingual. And so I grew up speaking French, French there. And so that's, that's, yeah, that's about as, as, as interesting of a, of a, of a that's French a, story. If I can, that's a very so. Canadian story. You, you could have learned French from any other means, but it was the school system. And, uh, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. The, the, your prairie boy born and bred. Um, That's right. And and uh, the prairies are the place in which Métis culture came about. And it's it's a very unique First Nations culture because, uh, you know, people on the podcast can't see this, but you don't look like a First Nations person. Right. And this is this is the interesting thing. So Aboriginals in, in Canada, um, by law, are, are decidedly um, native, Abor um, native... Uh, full, full, full-blooded Indian, and then we have Inuit, mm -hmm. uh, typically from the north, and then we have Métis, which is uh, which is a culture all on its own, and these are these are half-blooded people, but um, no one really knows what percentage of, of blood. Is it 50%? Is it 60%? Is it 3%? And so so there are a lot of questions to say, how does this, how do we define Métis culture here in uh, Canada? And so I, a little while ago, I was, uh, I had, I'd won this, this Aboriginal award and this group of Métis people came to kind of record me and talk about him. They saw me and I was a pretty white Lutheran pastor <laughs> getting an Aboriginal award for some academic stuff. And they said, how can this be? <laughs> right? And we had a pretty interesting con conversation about it, but I, but, but it's an experience of uh, thousands of people that just kind of have their roots, roots back and, uh, and can point out how that's affected their, uh, f their families. So. And it's a very challenging Canadian story because the Métis people have not always been recognized in that conversation. It's been very, uh, challenging to to find your space and whose story and where does where does my story sure. land well you know and one of the interesting things is uh we can look back in our family photos on on my grandmother's side and i mean these are they're very visibly aboriginal people mm -hmm. and i grew up and we'd ask grandma we'd say why why does your side of the family look so different than 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 the other ones and and she would downplay it she she didn't always want to be so forthright with mm. it and and we learned later that it wasn't that she grew up in a, in 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 a culture where you where you wanted to be white that was the way that that you move forward in in, in society mm. and and she actually shed a lot of tears when she, when she kind of came to terms with 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 the aboriginal side of our family because she was kind of grown up not to really respect or or point to it. And so as a family, we have kind of re-engaged this. My, wow. my grandmother's learned, learned mitchif and uh, uh, some of the Métis language and culture. I've been part of lots of different groups that are, that are promoting Aboriginal wow. culture and just re-engaging some of that. And I don't think my story is unique. You can imagine how many people across the prairies um, were kind of part of that wave of people who were kind of told, you know, let's, let's, let's just try to be not Aboriginal. <laughs> and uh, now we are kind of re-embracing that. So, 
Well, and again, that's a that's a very um, that that's a deep part of the Canadian consciousness of these multiple cultures existing mm-hmm. in in close proximity to each other in in our identities, in our backgrounds, in our stories. So uh, there's another aspect of you that that uh, kind of brings you on into onto the New Leaf team. You're 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 planning on becoming a a podcast contributor, recording episodes for us, and and uh, and part of it is that you um, you're interested in church planting, and and you have actually mm-hmm. quite a long um, sort of connection to church planting as well. So tell me a little bit about where the church planting part of your story uh, started as well. Yeah, um, I didn't really identify this until late, later on, but when we were young, we moved from Saskatchewan to Alberta, to Strathmore, Alberta, just outside of Cal- Calgary, and our family joined uh, the Hope Community Covenant Church. It was a fresh new church plant uh, there, and it met in the gymnasium of my, um, of my junior high school, and we met there and it was new to me. We had come from Regina, a pretty large established church there, and we were meeting with like 40 other people in this in this school gymnasium that we'd set up with some speakers and some chairs. And it was new to me, but it was church because they did church things, but it was a different place. And and it really shaped how I how I viewed church. I mean um how did I was how did meet- meeting in sort of a gym space like shape your understanding of of what church was how, how did that affect you when you were that age well i mean he, here's the interesting thing i grew up church was you know 6 miles away as a boy and then i come here and church was a gathering in my school gymnasium and so i would i'd i'd worship on sunday and then monday morning with all the angst that every you know junior high young guy has showing up trying to just make it through another day of grade 9 or whatever and i'm in the same space with a lot of the same kids that i was with in youth group previously and I can't tell you what that does to your psyche as a young person when you kind of sense that there's this interesting bridge and a connection between your faith, your faith community, and what you do every day for work and life and school. And I did something that probably only the zeal of a 14-year-old can probably do, but I started a like 7 a.m. once a week Bible study. 7 a.m., I mean, really? Yeah, I know, really, really, <laughs> like, like look, looking back, I'm going... Clearly, I did not read anything, but we ended up getting like dozens and dozens of young people going to this little Bible study. And I mean, to this day, I don't even know what we talked about, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I think kids just just got together because we had donuts or something. But but we got together, and out of that, a number of pe- a number of kids there who I went to school with started connecting with church, and a number of them came to faith, and it was kind of an exciting time. And and as I did that, I remember there was one girl there; her dad was just adamantly against anything church right his view of church was just negative and and this girl she she came to faith she ended up going off to bible school and stuff but i remember one day i came <laughs> i came to church in that in that school gym, gymnasium and who was there uh shaking everybody's hand but this dad of this girl wow. who was just now gave his life to Christ and was just full of energy and and served in that church for years and years he could very well be there now and so so you know when i saw that as a young guy i mean that is like that's something that gets inside of you that you see this kind of full life circle of being in community in the in real places 
trusting Jesus and then seeing lives kind of turn in interesting ways. And it was exciting. That's amazing. That's amazing. How, how, where did your story go after those sort of early initial experiences? You went to Briarcrest yeah, uh, in, yeah, I went- in Saskatchewan. Yeah, it's 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 true. Here here's the interesting thing. Every young person wants to leave where they came from because they think that there's something cooler out there. And so interesting, I've come full circle and I'm kind of back pretty much where <laughs> where I came from. But um no, yeah, I went off to Briarcrest, did a degree there, went off to Regent College, did a degree degree there, studied at Tyndale, did my doctorate there, and so uh, studied overseas in the Middle East. Um and so, you know, had had a chance to experience a lot of things and really along the way began to began to kind of come back to the beauty of church planting and more specifically the beauty of just real incarnational ministry. Mm. I, I, I just could not really see the church uh, functioning outside of being present in place. Um, it just was more than a service group, I think. So that sort of primordial story, that, that <laughs> moment of being in the gym, it's never really left you and it's, it's really shaped uh, the, the the kind of pastoral ministry you've engaged in. So tell us a little bit about sure. what you're doing right now. You're you're in your studio in Chestermere, <laughs> Alberta, the the New Leaf Studio. Um, I, aka, AKA I'm, I'm I'm in my basement home office. <laughs> no, no, don't, chur- don't wreck the mystique, no, no, man. Don't every, <laughs> every every church plant begins in a basement. Yeah. But actually, in a couple of weeks, we move to our first community. Uh, um, office, which we're oh, cool. actually sharing with other nonprofits. So our church, instead of starting our own office, we decided to go and help create something that we call the Chestermere Center for Community Leadership, and it is a nonprofit incubator in our community. Wow! Uh, because because we wanted to see can the church lived in this kind of way be an ally to our city, and we. Hadn't seen that modeled very well, to be honest. No. You always build your your own building, your own space, and so we uh, we have a ton of great friendships with a number of nonprofits, and and they've invited us, and we've invited them, and it's kind of this mutual thing that that we have this awesome space right in the middle of town, and so we we are pretty excited about it. Wow, I love that. That's yeah. amazing. So you're you're part of a church <laughs> plant in Chestermere, yep. Alberta, right now. Um, you write frequently for your local newspaper. That's right. And another interesting fact about you is you're you're actually a beekeeper. <laughs> yes, and and that is that is a lot of fun. Um, uh, Leo Tolstoy was a beekeeper, and uh, his wife uh, had they found her diary years later, and in it it said. My my dear husband has become a beekeeper. He can't talk about anything but beekeeping, <laughs> and woe to anybody who broaches the subject with him. And I think that that was probably my wife's sentiment when I became a beekeeper about five years ago. Was I I loved it. I loved it. I uh, I had done a bunch of studies, and my brain was fried. I had read pretty much every book ever written, and I couldn't handle anything more. And and my wife's a very avid gardener, and uh, I'd gone to this kind of gathering, and there was a beekeeper there. And I thought, I think I need that. I need to do something with my hands. And so I got a beehive in my backyard and I had no idea what I was up to. Um, one of my neighbor kids said, there's an alien in your backyard once in a while because I'd wear my entire bee suit and my neighbor <laughs> would think that that was funny. But um, um, yeah, so I got into beekeeping and I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I just needed something different. But 
But something really interesting happened. I had a couple neighbors um, come over to me in a bit of a panic on my first season being a beekeeper. One of them came over and he had an apple tree and this apple tree was covered in bees. And he says, your bees are all over my apple tree. I've never had this happen before. Can you get them off? And I didn't know what to do. And I said, listen, how, how would you go about doing that? Well, yeah, I know. Right. And so I, I, I said to him, listen, they'll move on in a, in a couple days um, and go pollinate something else. And they did, and he was pretty happy about that. You know, people are nervous about bees because they don't know much, much about them. Right. And so uh, then that fall, he had so many apples on his apple tree because of these bees. And he came wow. over just ecstatic. He's like, have you seen this apple tree? And another neighbor had some raspberries. She liked making raspberry vodka. And she and she had raspberries all over the place. And she was passing this out to her neighbors and friends. We traded honey for raspberry jam and 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 apples. And, and I saw, in this moment, I saw wow. something happen that I really hadn't quite clued into before. These little, little insects were affecting this vibrant neighborhood culture shift um, that nothing that us intelligent humans could do. And they were doing this just by being present and attentive and making things beautiful in the place where they are, doing what they do nat oh, naturally. Oh, that's amazing. It was, it was for, for a guy who is like a theologian and a pastor and all that, this was like something pretty, um, pretty revolutionary for how the pieces came together for me. And and I've I've read some of your writing before. You write often on 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 bees, and 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 you have a term for them that I think is is really fascinating. You call them a keystone species. So, for someone like me who doesn't know what that that is, can can you tell me a little bit more? Because this is part of your theological reflection you're you're doing sure. as part of your neighborhood. Yeah. So I had learned along the way through through reading biological texts uh, that that bees are keystone species. And if you think of a arch in a cathedral or something made of stone, right at the very top is a little sliver of stone that just holds the arch together. Uh, it actually doesn't hold any weight at all. It's just, it's just placed in such a way that it keeps the rest of it uh, working. Um, if you take the keystone out of an arch, the whole thing collapses. And so, uh, so biologists uh, identify keystone species. One of them is is beavers, which is a great Canadian animal. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's actually a lot of history done that when the fur hunters, trappers came through and killed a lot of the beavers, the whole landscape changed. All these wetlands and rivers actually disappeared, and 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 then they can point to some huge topographical changes because the beavers wow. were gone. Um, but the similar thing with with bees and pollinators, if they are removed from the environment. Uh, some people say within three years, humans would be gone too. <laughs> we Is think that we're at right? the top of some food food chain, but actually if bees are gone, we end up being gone too because they just, they keep everything going. They pollinate uh, foods that cows eat, that animals eat, that birds live in. All of this stuff is all connected back to these pollinators. And so today there's half as many uh, bees in the world as when our grandparents were around. So wow. these numbers are declining, um, but that makes me think and go, Am I a keystone person in my community? Wow. If if Preston disappears from Rainbow Falls, which is my neighborhood, will anything change? I really hope that the day that I leave here, uh, that people go, dang, you know, Preston's gone. Or if the church left here, that there'd be some wailing. <laughs> that people would be like, this place will never be the same because mm. these people who loved our city well are gone. And so, so this keystone species, I'm just wondering, are people, are, is, is the church, are we a keystone species? And that's my uh, big, big dri driving question these days. That's amazing. That's amazing. Tell me um, a little bit more about 
um, maybe you and the New Leaf Network. We've, we've got, we're, we're working on a number of projects together, but can you tell me a little bit about why you were first attracted to, to joining us and, and starting to contribute to, to the story that we're trying to, to tell here in Canada? Well, one of the fun things about Canada is it's, it's, it's huge and small at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we start to um, put up a flag and start to talk about, um, hey, who out there is interested in, you know, incarnational kind of ministry? And after you hear crickets, you start to then look beyond <laughs> that and, and hear that there's people. Often, these are not tall poppies. These are not people standing up and saying, hey, I'm over here doing something great. These are often people who are working faithfully in small places, just following Jesus and making good things happen. And and their stories are often not heard or told, or many of these people don't even realize that what they're doing is actually quite quite profound. Um, uh, and so uh, when I heard that the New Leaf was trying to uh, gather some of these people, gather some of these stories, I thought, well, these are all people that I bump into in different circles, and I'd love to be able to find ways of sharing their stories and talking about some of the common uh, challenges and opportunities we have here here in Canada. Now, you're you're part of the Evangelical Covenant denomination. I have the, the right. name, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, um, we've got lots of friends in that community, people we, we love chatting with. Um, but you're a, and, and this is actually a, a unique aspect of being Canadian denomination. Often we have an American counterpart or we're part of a, a, a North American uh, group. So it, it's sort of transnational, um, our, our relationships and our linkages. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's true of your denomination. Is that correct? Yes, we have about maybe 30 churches in Canada, and there's like 850 in the States. Okay. So we are a small part of that larger group, for sure. And tell me about, um, like you've mentioned before, that some some of your American friends are actually starting to lean into the Canadian story, even though it's smaller than their story. They're starting to lean into our story. So tell me, what is that about? What's What are they looking for in us? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I think that it might be good to have an American here at some point and see just to what extent they are looking looking north. But um, in the same way that I'm often looking overseas to parts of Europe and Australia, some 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 different post Christendom cultures, um, I've had friends in the states say, "Tell me about what's happening in Canada." You are asking different questions in Canada than we're asking down down here. Down there, you can. You can put out a sign and say you are having a great worship service with the best contemporary worship music, and you're going to have great preaching, and people will likely sh- show up. Um, some churches that launch down there, their first day, it's not uncommon to have a few hundred people there, just because wow. they they know what those words mean. Here in Chestermere, uh, <laughs> no one knows what good sermon or good worship or contemporary worship these these are just non non words in our culture here, and so so we we don't go out saying we have something great to to offer we we approach our culture in a very different way uh and that in turn changes us as to the things we value we are saying what is the king what is God doing in this place, and how do we participate in that and and those sort of questions lead us down to doing things like 
beekeeping to um, running this year's soapbox derby uh, with all of the kids to uh, running um, an organization not with church people but with non-church people that welcome each other um, to leading uh, and paying for um, all the food at a number of block parties across town. I mean, those aren't those aren't typical ministry things you would think about, but these are the things that we saw God doing. And so we said, how about we support that as a community? And so um, that, those are different questions out of a different set of challenges that I think some of our American friends are starting to bump into as they, in some post-Christendom cultures, are saying, the things we used to do, we can't do those anymore. And we're wondering why. And we say, yeah, we've been We've been having that conversation for a little while now. We're just starting to come out from under our rock to to to, to talk about it. Well, it's a it, that that is what I find so. I mean, you're singing my song, Preston. Mm. I I am not a nationalist. I don't think Canada is the only or the greatest country in the world. Um, uh, but I really care about. Uh, resourcing and collecting Canadian stories and getting us familiar with the, the, the people, the everyday hobbits that are out there carrying burdens in their neighborhood. Um, uh, like you say, acting as a keystone species. I think this, this is important stuff. Um, and, and I'm so excited to, to that, that you're, you're joining our team because uh, again, you're going to be bringing a whole new perspective, uh, 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 another another voice, another piece of the puzzle, and it's it's been on my heart and mind for a long time that we have to preserve, we have to protect, and we have to understand um, the Canadian perspective, the Canadian viewpoint, because we do often get um, we do often get bowled over by the, the the sheer numbers of our neighbors to the south and it can it, the noise can be so so loud that it's hard to hear yourself think up here and so that's why I'm really excited about having you on the team and 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 this this project we're engaged in because I think it's important I think we have something unique to contribute to the world I don't think it's the most important thing but I think it's it's our little piece so Tell me a little bit, you've been working on a book for a while now. Um, tell me a little bit about the book that you've been, you've been writing. While being a beekeeper and a church planter and engaging in my neighborhood, I was, I was realizing that I was collecting um, notes about how this was transforming me and how being a beekeeper gave me this new set of lenses to appreciate um, the small, the beautiful, the boring, the intricate parts of my neighborhood. And so I gave a talk about that and it went over really well. And uh, people at that talk said, you, can, can you give us your notes? And I said, it's scribbled here on a piece of paper. I don't know. Right. And so, um, uh, urban loft publishing, which is, uh, down in the States, uh, California is where the uh, chief publisher is. Mm-hmm. They have agreed to, to publish uh, a book and it's sitting in the editor's hands. Now I'm, I'm told it should come out this spring. Um, the name that, that I've given to it, um, is the bees of rainbow falls, which is my neighborhood is, is rainbow falls. And it's, uh, uh, finding faith, imagination, and delight in your neighborhood. And so it's, it's very much written, um, out of the authentic experience 
experiences of a pastor and a beekeeper who loves his neighborhood and has been transformed by it. So um, it's been endorsed by a number of, of uh, really cool people, uh, some Christians, some non, non-Christian, and uh, both of these different worlds have said, hey, this is these are some important re- reflections. So uh, very Canadian, probably overly apologetic. Uh, on one hand, I want everybody to read it, and on the other hand, I don't want anybody to read it. So I, I guess it's about as Canadian as maybe you can get. But, <laughs> I think um, you're right about that. Uh, but it'll it'll be coming out soon, and I'm just really grateful for all the people that kind of help pour pour themselves into it with me. Well, I'll I'll save you the incredible embarrassment of uh, having published a book. I, I know the shame associated <laughs> with with that myself. But what I'd like to do is have you back on 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 the show to talk about your book because I I sure. really feel like you're onto something very very potent, very very powerful. Uh, around this idea of becoming a keystone species of mm-hmm. of 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 being willing to do the boring uh and mm-hmm. small work of the world mm-hmm. uh and to participate so meaningfully in it it's so jeremiah 29 obviously yep. instead of engaging in hero worship instead of engaging in in falling prostrate before power there's something so powerful about loving the ordinary and I, I i'm i'm excited by this this idea i hope you blog a lot about it and i hope lots of people read your book because i think this is this is a this is a very powerful story and a, and a, a beautiful way of looking at the role of the church in the world well and it and it and it gives me a reason uh to talk about bees again, <laughs> which, right. which You're Kel- ins- <laughs> yeah, Kelly. Kelly said I, I I can only bring a bee metaphor into my sermons only very occasionally. I I got to measure myself, so this will this will give me a new platform to talk about how cool these these little bugs are. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for being on the show, Preston. It's been great getting to know you. Um, we're going to look forward to hearing your unique perspective. Um, in in some future podcasts, so I'm excited about that. Um, as the New Leaf blog launches this year, um, you're going to be a regular contributor. Th- this is something I'm really excited about. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. And I'm really looking forward to, to hearing what you're going to bring to us in the future. I am too. Thank you. Thanks so much to Preston Puto and thanks to you, Jared, for that great episode. Loved hearing about the bees. He he's he's helping me love bees a little more. The bees, yes. It's a it is a strange thing. I I think um, you know, the idea of hive collapse and things like that are actually pretty serious environmental issues that uh yeah, we absolutely. don't fully understand. Um but L, you've got me curious, what is this uh this uh, traumatic bee incident that happened to you? Well, I was young. Okay. But I had a bee bite me on m- m- my hindquarters. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> and, and, and it, 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 it swelled. Swelled. <laughs> and I couldn't sit for a number of days. And I... I swore off honey, like I really. Well, went to you town went anti bee. My... You went full anti bee. Yeah. Okay. I was 
I was protesting in the backyard. It was it was tough for a 12 year old. But um, so yeah, I'm always been a little skittish around them ever since then. But uh, someone from my church actually is a beekeeper. And uh, I had some home homegrown honey, some fresh honey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm slowly coming back around to loving the bees. So thank you to Preston for helping me cultivate my love for that. And that idea of a keystone species, that's, uh, that, that, that'll preach. I like that line. Yeah, that is, that is an amazing concept. And, and I know that um, he's, he's outlined it further in his book. And I can't wait to read that book. I think it's going to be great. Um, and so, uh, friends, stay tuned to the New Leaf Project here. Stay tuned to Facebook. Stay tuned to Twitter because when Preston's book is available, you'll be the first to know. We're also probably going to be, um, no, not probably. We'll be reviewing it, his book, on our blog. So so stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Um, and when it finally comes out, we're going to have another podcast episode with Preston to talk more specifically about the book. Um I, I'm with you. I love this idea of keystone species. I love the idea um, of the idea of, of the Jeremiah 29 passage where it suggests that we make a place. We, we plant ourselves, seek the good of the city, and in it we'll find our own salvation, our own prosperity. Uh, God will mm-hmm. meet us in those places. And I think that's something churches need to, to really grab a hold of is be good in your city. Be a force for good. And uh, I I just, I love that. Preston's very consistent about this. He doesn't just write about Mm -hmm. it. He lives it. And that's what's so Mm -hmm. exciting. Um, So there's going to be future episodes from Preston. We've already got one in the hopper here. It's being edited and we'll be releasing that uh, in in the next short little while. So stay tuned to that. We'll, uh, We'll let Preston set that up for us in another episode, but just stay tuned for that. Because uh, there's more good stuff from from Preston going forward. L, anything you want to say before we say goodbye to our friends here? Well, you know we always have events coming up, so uh, be sure to yes, check out the, the website for that. Uh, lots of information. May nineteenth event, uh, church plant design shop happening June second and third. So just keep an eye on the website www.newleafnetwork.ca, and uh, we're on the social medias. So always be uh, keeping an eye. We we promise we will keep it updated as possible and also if you have anyone interesting in your neck of the woods who you think is doing interesting work um, let us know about them because we'd love to interview them and share their story you know uh, we only know so many people and we the point of of what we're doing is to share the story of Canada of the things that people are doing and trying here in Canada so if you know someone that's up to something interesting that you think might want to share their story uh, we would love to connect with them so send us off an email l at newleafnetwork.ca or jared at newleafnetwork.ca and we would love to um, connect with them and we hope you have a great week thanks for listening we always appreciate it when we hear feedback from people and conversations start on social media about the things that uh, you're hearing on the on the podcast here it's a real honor and privilege for us to share these stories and we're grateful to have you guys along for the ride all right see you guys later bye-bye bye friends see you next time thanks for listening to the new leaf podcast You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and stars all across Canada.